scripture I'll be reading is Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Beloved, can y'all hear me? Pretty good. Those on the back row, if you all uh, can't hear me, just kind of do like that, okay? You want me to shut up, do like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's wonderful to see every one of you, brethren. We do apologize a little bit about, you know, you know they got a lot of modern technology and stuff and everything, but they haven't built, our, our amplifier to these speakers is what's going out, is what I understand by our engineers here. And, and they just don't say, you know what, uh, I'm going to give you a warning. I have served you for three years in this congregation with good speaker, but uh, Sunday morning at, at 9 o'clock, I'm going to die, okay? Um, so th things like that happen. They're a machine. They are a mechanical material thing, and things like that do wear out. So we're going to get on top of it real quickly, and hopefully you can hear us here today. Beloved, we have a young lady in our congregation here that's very special to us, and she comes every opportunity that she has and, uh, and sits right here on the front row, and her name is Miss Pamela Peters. We call her Pam, um, and, um, and she's a very sweet young lady, um, and she notices that so many of us have Bibles, um, and she's wanting one, and so we thought, my goodness, we can't have anyone coming to this congregation that don't have a Bible, Amen. And so we wanted to grace her with one and gift her with one this morning from the Lord's Church. And that's what we're going to do at this time, okay? Thank you, sweetie. Appreciate it. You enjoy it. All right. Now, we're on part two of our series that we're going to be doing. We're at five Sundays in this month, and so we're going to be preaching around the theme of the coming of Christ into this world Beloved, in order to be born here, in order to, as we just sang a little bit ago, to die on that cross, he was born to die, we understand that, and, and we're going to be talking about that, and we're going to be looking at different aspects of that, and our uh, text this morning is going to be in Luke chapter 1, if you'd like to be turning there, Luke 1, y'all that look up your scripture on your phone, that's fine, that's modern technology, but I would appreciate it if y'all would download an app where it sounds like pages are turning when you do that, okay? Be nice. Help the preacher know you're looking at that and not playing something else, right? <laughs> All right. Luke 1. Let's go ahead and read this, and then we're going to make some comments on this this morning. Luke 1, verses 26 through 38. Y'all very familiar with this section in part two of our, our series. Now, in the sixth month, meaning the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, of course, if you look there in verse 24, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee, called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed in this statement, because, brethren, that's not a common statement that, that, that they would have received in that day and age. And she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. Now, brethren, that's quite a load to drop on a teenage girl all of a sudden, right? 
verse 32, he, uh, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? Good question. Appropriate question. Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit. This is the only way it could be, brethren. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Verse 38 is a key to this lesson. And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord. That, that literally in the Greek means the female slave is how she refers to herself. The bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her, leaving her obviously with a whole lot to ponder. Brethren, our text from Galatians that was read just a minute ago in Galatians 4 says, when the fullness of time had come. Uh, Ken quoted from Romans 5, verse 6, where it said, and my version says, at the right time, God sent his son to die for the ungodly. Brethren, God's timing is always perfect, and we need to understand that. He really does know what he's doing. I've had people say, well, you know, wouldn't it have been better if God would have had Jesus born in today's technology where his word could be spread via the internet and, and Facebook and Twitter and all the social media and the TV and the radio and all that we have and the, and the, and the interstate system we have and the airplanes, and all that modern day technology. Wouldn't it have been better if God had sent his son then instead of in the old days when he did? Brothers and sisters, it would not have been better. I can say that boldly and, and adamantly because the Bible says God sent Jesus into this world at the right time. He knows what he's doing, and in the gospel accounts of the birth of the Lord, the writers are very clear that they're writing about a historical event, as Ken mentioned. Luke doesn't say once upon a time. No, brethren, he says just the opposite. In the days of Herod, uh, king of Judea, in verse 5 of our text, he tells the time, the place. He also mentions an actual city as in our reading, Nazareth of Galilee. Now, history, brothers and sisters, can tell you all about Herod and his evil family. They can tell you about this time. Secular historians. The Jews hated him because he was more Edomite. He was not a full Jew. He'd gone to Rome to get the authority to rule Judea, and he did so with an iron fist. And in chapter 2, Luke mentions Caesar Augustus and his census, which is another historical fact. So, brethren, this isn't fantasy. This isn't some fairy tale. This is a historical fact. And so God, in his infinite wisdom, you know what he does, brethren? You know, today we would do things differently. If we were going to have Jesus come, we'd have him come to a big population center, right? Where he could have the greatest effect. 
No, he passed over Rome, the city of Rome, one of the greatest cities in the ancient world. He passed over Athens, the, 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 the birthplace supposedly of education and intellectualism. He even passed over Jerusalem and the temple, which was, of course, the, the absolute center of Judaism. And instead, he came to a little bitty town in Israel. And so you see the person. What was the person? It's just like, isn't it, brethren? Isn't it like God to pass over these great influential cities and instead go to a small town, you know, of Nazareth first where he sees Mary and then Bethlehem later on where Jesus is going to be born? Isn't it just like God to do that, brethren? You know what? The Jews missed Jesus. One of the reasons is because they didn't expect him to be born in an obscure town as a child in a manger. But God's timing is perfect, and he knew exactly what he was doing. And so he, he overlooks all, goes over the head, so to speak, of all these, Mary, all these people. And, you know, and, and just like God to pass over emperors and kings and governors and rulers of the day, didn't he? And the Jews missed him. You know why? They expected their Messiah to appear suddenly as an adult on the back of a famous white horse coming into town with a great army behind him and as a soldier in order to overthrow Rome and to sit on the throne of David. And they, God didn't do that. Jesus didn't come. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, but he didn't come that way. God sends him as a little baby. And so instead of kings and governments, he comes to this little girl, teenage girl named Mary. Most likely scholars say she was between the ages of 13 and 16, which was the normal age for the Jewish betrothal, as they would say in that day. We would say engagement. And she was engaged to Joseph, of course. And it's also very likely, brethren, if they did think the way that the Jews did in that day and, the, and their custom and, is that they sometime in the past, the parents of Mary and Joseph had gotten together while Joseph was probably a little boy and Mary still a little girl, and they arranged their marriage. That's what they did in those days. The parents had probably negotiated the wedding before uh, either of them really knew one another at all. In fact, in many cases in this situation, many brides and grooms didn't even meet each other until they got ready to, so quote, walk down the aisle to get married. And so the parents had, uh, had already arranged all of this, you see, and, uh, and the uh, way it worked was that Joseph's father would have paid Mary's father a dowry or a sum of money and then the parents signed an agreement and made an oath to one another each of them would raise their child up in the Lord and in such a way that they would be worthy for one another and make good husbands and wives and good parents and good godly man and woman and so the engaged couple could not back out of the marriage unless the agreement or the oath was broken and that was a very very serious thing so if Joseph had died before the actual marriage then Mary would have been considered his, quote, legal widow, and she would have been able to remarry. If Mary or anyone under this situation was unfaithful, the law said she was to be stoned to death for adultery. It also says the couple could not consummate their marriage until after the actual wedding ceremony. That's God's plan, brothers and sisters. And so we see in the person...
not somebody famous as many people were expecting, but a little teenage virgin girl. Now, brethren, our text tells us that in the sixth month, that was of, of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy with John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel came to Mary. She was a virgin. In other words, she had been faithful to Joseph, and she had great integrity. But it also tells us that God transcended the laws of nature and by the power of the Holy Spirit conceived and brought forth a son. This is prophesied way back in Isaiah chapter 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Brethren, Joseph didn't know about all this. He's not going to be clued in until way later, which for me as a human being, I never understood. He's one of the principal characters here, you know. And he's going to have to find this out, uh, you know, kind of in a shocking kind of way. We're going to look at that. But by law, brothers and sisters, when he found out that, that Mary was pregnant and it wasn't his child, of course, he could have had her put to death. But Matthew 1.19 tells us that Joseph was a just or a righteous man and instead of having her killed publicly, which is what would have happened for that crime, he was just going to privately put her away until the angel of the Lord finally came to him and explained things. And so today, brethren, we, we want to look at Mary. And when we do, we see the kind of person that God would choose for such a tremendous honor. In verse 28, Gabriel says that Mary is highly favored of the Lord and that the Lord is with her and that she had been blessed among women. Brethren, just about every time you see that word favor in the Bible, in the Old and the New Testament, it means someone who has been graced by God. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, the Old Testament says, and, and if you look at it in the original, it literally means Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. It's the same thing here. The Bible says talks about Abraham being favored by God. The better translation would be that he had received grace from God. And brethren, what that means is, is that God did most of it, right? Mary, for all her righteousness, for all her goodness, and she was indeed that, she was still a sinful human being. And so God graced her <clears throat> in order to do what he was going to do. That's like anything we do, brothers and sisters, in our life for the Lord. It, it always works out to where we give this much to the Lord and he gives this much to us, right? And that's the way it's working out here. Mary was chosen because of her wonderful <coughs> righteousness and her willingness to do God's will. But God's grace had a whole lot to do with that as it does every step and every aspect of the giving of Jesus for the forgiveness of of our sins. And so God blessed Mary. He favored her. He graced her. But brethren, by saying that, we also see something of Mary's character and her faith in her reply to Gabriel in verse 38, okay? And when she says to him, the Lord is with you, uh, this is a reference of Mar Mary's walking with the Lord. In other words, she was living her life right, and she was not only faithful to Joseph, she was faithful to her heavenly father. So, so Gabriel, the angel, drops this load, so to speak, on Mary, that she's going to have a son, and that he's going to be the Messiah, 
and, and that your name is going to name him Jesus, specifically, she'd already been given his name. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Joshua, or literally Yeshua, which means Yahweh is salvation, or God will save. And so in verse 32, Gabriel says that he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of your father David. Before King David died, brethren, the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel 7, 12, and 13 said, When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. Beloved, <coughs> that's who he's talking about. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So, brethren, that's what God says he's going to do. He does it through a person named Mary, a righteous, willing, obedient servant. Isn't that marvelous? And then we have the plan. Brethren, God has a plan, as Galatians 4, 4 says, when the fullness of time came uh, at the right time, God knew what he was doing. He had a plan. We sang Thomas's song a little bit ago in preparation for the Lord's Supper. I hope you listened to the, um, the chorus of that. You know, Thomas kept asking, could his cruel death be part of the plan? Could it be part of God's plan? Yes, it could be. It was exactly that, brothers and sisters. It was God's plan. And then God knew what he was doing, you see. God sent his son into the world when Rome was in power, brethren. We don't understand all the uh, nuances of that, so to speak. But that meant there was a common language used by everyone in the empire. They had an, a, what we would call today an amazing logistic system, not like our modern highway system, but one that was better than they had ever seen before with paved roads, smooth roads, uh, being able to um, sail safely or more safe on the ocean than ever before. And this allowed the gospel to spread to a wide variety of people, of groups and nations. Romans 10:18 mentions that, and that's exactly what happened. In fact, brothers and sisters, history tells us that the Roman Empire recruited soldiers from all the different provinces that would then station them all over the empire and sometime in places that the Christian missionaries were unable to get to themselves. So the earliest introduction of the gospel, say, to the British Isles came from Roman soldiers who had been converted to Christ, not the apostles, not an evangelist, but Roman soldiers who were spreading their faith. So it was all part of God's plan. But we need to also remember that God laid a foundation through the law, right? Even before, even before then. They were to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. That's what the Old Testament is all about, our tutor to lead us to the Messiah. The purpose of the law was not to save anybody, brethren. The Bible makes that plain. The purpose of the law was to point out that we were sinners and that we were lost in our sins and that we needed a Savior. And that that Savior was going to come. And in fact, the Old Testament says he's going to be. In fact, brethren, the Old Testament, especially the book of Isaiah, tells everything about the birth of Jesus Christ. Every little nuance. They told about it. And so, and said, he said, nobody can keep the law. Nobody can keep the law perfectly. And so, then the law was to point out our sin. And so, <clears throat> Romans 3, 19 and 20 says, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may be accountable to God. 
or may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Not salvation from sin, but condemnation. And so even back in the old covenant, brethren, the law was teaching that mankind are sinners and that they need a Savior and that that Savior was going to come through the seed of Abraham and then David and that through their descendants and that we, the sacrificial system of the old law was a reminder of man's sinfulness and inability to save himself. We just couldn't do it. We need a Savior. And so that Savior was going to come. And not only that, brothers and sisters, you had... Not only the laws of, of the Jews and uh, to help them to understand they need a Savior, the Greeks and the Romans with their philosophy were left empty. They found out their, their, their religious beliefs didn't do them a lot of good, left them wanting more. There was no salvation in that. The pagans with all their mystery religions at that time had no answer for sin. And they realized that they were just kind of playing religious. And, and so the world was ready for the Savior to arrive at the right time, God sent his Son, brothers and sisters, when the fullness of time had come. And so there's this young Jewish girl named Mary who was also part of God's plan. And she was really ready and willing to be part of God's plan, but God's plan came, thirdly, with a price. Brothers and sisters, a very expensive price. In Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, Simeon talked to Mary about the price she would have to pay. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He said, Mary, you're going to have to pay a price to be the mother, the earthly mother of the Messiah. That's what she was going to have to do, brothers and sisters. You see, God chose Mary to bear a child while she was a virgin and not yet married, and that brought a lot of shame on her. It wasn't a rash, spur-of-the-moment answer when she said, be it done to me according to your word, brothers and sisters. She could have been killed because of this if she did not have a righteous fiancé. There's no doubt that she was probably mocked and made fun of and scorned and rejected and called all sorts of names. And then she had to watch her firstborn son get beaten beyond recognition and nailed to a Roman cross, knowing that he was innocent of anything he'd been ever charged with. So Mary paid a price for her service and her obedience to God. But, beloved, not as big a price as Jesus paid. And that's another lesson for another day. But we know he was obedient unto death and that he had done nothing wrong. He didn't die, beloved, because he did anything wrong. He died because we did. And he paid a price. So let me conclude. What about us? With Christmas just a few weeks, weeks away, how do we stack up what we just read and studied this morning, brothers and sisters? I want to give a couple of things very quickly, and the lesson is yours that we can hopefully benefit us today. First of all, we need to see the big picture. That's what Mary had to do. 
Mary, Mary and when that angel Gabriel came to her and, and, and laid all that on her just like that, brethren, you know it was hard to digest. You know she didn't understand all of it. You know it was a growing process. And, and Mary just, just had to be patient, right? And, and she just said, okay, God, whatever you want. She didn't have to worry about all the details and, and all the if, ends, and buts, you know. So if you're struggling through something, if you're struggling through anything in your life, you ask God to help you see things from his point of view and... Ask him to show you how he's working those things together for your good. And be able to say like Mary, thy will be done. Secondly, brethren, remember God doesn't always call the equipped, but he does equip the called. I don't know where that come from, but I like it. God doesn't always call the equipped, but he equips the called. If God is uh, guiding you into some sort of service, some sort of ministry, then he's going to prepare you for that service. Was Mary prepared for what the angel told her? No, but he prepared her. And then thirdly, check your attitude, brethren. Isn't that so important? Mary did not put a condition on her submission to God's will. She didn't say, now, wait a minute, Abel, this is me involved, and I want this, I demand that, I want the other she basically said as we sing have thine own way lord have thine own way thou art the potter i am the clay brothers and sisters that's how you become the person for the plan but remember there's always a price to pay as well <clears throat> our price is this jesus said if any man would come after me he must take up his cross die to himself and live for me daily. That's a price we have to pay. Let me ask you this morning as we stand and sing, are you willing to pray for that price? Are you willing to pay that price right now?